Amen. All right, let's take our Bibles this afternoon and go to 2 Timothy chapter number 2 again. And uh, we've uh, been in and around this passage of Scripture a couple of times in recent weeks, and uh, we'll continue that trend tonight. Uh, pray for Goodman's. Uh, some of them are over in Montana. When do you guys travel that way? Tuesday. And somebody else in the family, I think, is going over there. And so a lot of traveling and things. So pray uh, for folks who will be doing that. And I uh, know they would appreciate your prayers. This morning we talked about what makes a, a, a church work in, uh, in the church of Thessalonica. And this afternoon I want to focus on what, what God wants me to be. And uh, I don't know about you, but for me, I want to know uh, what's expected of me. And we've uh, looked at uh, some of our priorities from Micah 6, 8 and other places this year. And uh, where the Bible does say, you know, here's what the Lord doth require of thee. Uh, and uh, we know that uh, God lists out things for us very plainly, several three-point, four-point uh, messages uh, from Deuteronomy and elsewhere uh, in the Bible about God's expectations. Uh, but in order for a church to work uh, and go forward, remember we're a body uh, of, uh, of people, uh, members in particular, and uh, we are all, uh, in some way, we serve, we should serve, uh, one another in our local church. And, and so we find an analogy uh, that we've preached on recently uh, from Second Timothy about enduring hardness. And uh, we have, uh, of course, connected that to uh, the um, coronavirus and everything else in life, uh, as I mentioned this morning. Uh, but uh, we, we did all of that, uh, and we get into chapter number two, and the Bible says this in verse number one, Thou therefore, my son... I remember, whenever there's a therefore, we find out what it's there for. So God lists a bunch of things for us through Timothy and Paul uh, in the first chapter and uh, in, in really uh, dealing with our holy calling and the grace of God. Back in verse number nine says, who hath, of chapter number one, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Remember, we're His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We've been predestined unto good works. So, uh, when you find words like predestination or elect, you got to be careful that you don't uh, take those things out of context. But uh, before God, before God formed you in the belly, the Bible says He knew you. He's a sovereign God. Uh, he uh, He knew you would be saved because He is a sovereign God. He knows everything. Uh, but that doesn't take away our choice. Uh, of uh, and, and again, um, when I try to teach people who are uh, kind of caught up in uh, the Calvinistic side of things, uh, I try to tell them, okay, when you walk, say you're walking into heaven uh, the, and you look up at the gate and it says, whosoever will may come. And as you walk through that gate into heaven and you kind of look back at the gate you just came through, there might be something on the other side that says uh, that we're predestined, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we look at salvation through the eyes of a finite person who does not have the mind of God. The Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we preach the gospel, uh, but we can't separate that from the fact that we, we serve a God who knows everything, all right? Uh, and, uh, and how God works it all out, uh, we can, we'll explain it uh, till the Lord comes back and we still won't explain it well, uh, but we can't ever let that keep us, um, you know, thinking if somebody's going to get saved, they're just going to get saved without my uh, input. God uses us uh, to spread the gospel and he brings conviction and he does the work that he does, uh, but we ourselves are supposed to preach the word of God to everybody. So he's called us. It's a holy calling. When you got born again, uh, the God who knew you before he made you, uh, 
says, you're his workmanship, you have a purpose. And I referenced this morning a statement that says that uh, we have to focus on our purpose, not our problems. Our purpose isn't necessarily our vocation or what we do uh, to earn money. Uh, it is that's what God allows for us to do to provide income, etc., so that we can plan or fulfill His purpose in our life. And not to get too far ahead of myself, I do want you to think of this question. Uh, and uh, what are your plans? What are your goals? Uh, I ask that a lot in different settings for like workshops and stuff like that. Uh, people should have short-term goals, long-term goals. But if I was to ask you, what are your goals or what are your plans? Inevitably, you'll write down, well, I've got, you might have a financial goal or a, a career goal. You might have uh, goals in reference to uh, your home or home purchase or, uh, or getting out of debt. Uh, could be this, that, and the other. But very seldom do those goals, uh, or when people communicate the goals and plans that they have, do they communicate it uh, and relay a message to me in that question that uh, it's all tied in with a purpose and plan that God has for their life? So if someone says, well, I want to retire, I want to retire by 50 so that I could go to the mission field. Uh, I, want, I want to make, I want to make a million dollars um, so that I could uh, build an orphanage. So you see, there's, a, uh, there's always a purpose and a God's purpose tied to plans and goals if we're heavenly minded. But if we're earthly minded, the Bible says we're carnal, uh, and, and God is teaching throughout Scripture uh, how, we're to, how we're to be and how we're to think, what God wants me to be. And that's our goal. My goal, your goal, should be to be the person that God wants us to be. Uh, in 2 Timothy 2, verse number 1, Again, thou therefore, my son, be strong uh, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now, Jesus was not a martyr. Uh, he was a sacrifice. Um, when he voluntarily uh, gave his life on the cross, um, he, he didn't do it for a cause. Uh, he did it for people. Uh, he died for me. He died for you. During his earthly ministry, uh, he ordained 12 uh, apostles that they would be with him and uh, that he might send them forth uh, to preach, Mark 3, verse 14. Uh, but in just before his death uh, on Calvary, he prayed uh, for his disciples. And over 40 times in that prayer, uh, he made reference to them, to the disciples. So during the brief ministry that Jesus had those three and a half years on the earth, uh, he had the world on his heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Uh, but he saw the world through the eyes of his church. He had the heart of the world there, but he saw it. That's why he addressed his disciples so frequently in that prayer in the last parts of his ministry because he had the commission that he was giving them. Uh, and uh, uh, so prior to his ascension, he gave the local church what's commonly understood as the Great Commission, uh, and he sent them in the world to make disciples. Uh, but he says in 2 Timothy that it's faithful men that do that. Uh, it's faithful women, uh, we make that application, that do that. He relates it to them in verse 2 of chapter number 2. So the key to making disciples uh, is faithful men and women. 
So tonight I want to, or this afternoon, I want to look at just a couple of characteristics of a faithful person, a kind of person that God wants us to be uh, in our life. Uh, there's so much written in books and seminars concerning being a better husband or being a better wife and uh, better parents, or et cetera, um, you know, frequently in, in, in counseling. Uh, somebody will say, I want, to be a, I want to have a better marriage. I want to be a better uh, you know, partner to my spouse or whatever. Uh, and uh, the key to being a better spouse, a better husband or a better wife uh, is to, to be the kind of person that God wants you to be. That's the key. If, if the Bible says if you love him, live for him, walk with him, it says even your enemies will be at peace with you. So if you want to be a better person to each other, uh, then you be the person God wants you to be because that's you can't go wrong. I can't, um, you know, we can't live up to one another's expectations because most of our expectations that we lay upon people are they're embedded with our own personal biases and uh, in what we want. Uh, when we expect, when somebody's behavior isn't what we want it to be, it's usually because their behavior has offended something in our sensibilities. Remember, it's only by uh, pride comes contention. So there, my pride is offended because you didn't live up to my expectations. Uh, but we live up to the Lord's expectations. We know that because we'll say, well, I'm not living to please you. Uh, you're not living to please me. We're living to please God. But then we, then we say, okay, uh, let's, uh, let's explore that. What does God expect of us? What does God want me to be? But when we ask that question, we fall short with the answer. And, uh, and so we kind of ignore it. And then we live another week and another month, another year uh, in uh, trying to accomplish our plans, our goals that are more vocational or carnal, earthly, worldly ones. We got to be in the world. That's where we are. We have to live. We have to eat. Uh, we have to earn money uh, and pay bills. That's part of how everything goes. But that can't be all that life is about. That can't be the end all of it. Uh, so if you're, you know, if you're working, 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 building up whatever, uh, a nest egg, and you're going to retire, um, where does God fit into that plan, that goal? Uh, and I really want you to think about that. The first thing that I think we should point out this afternoon is our objective in life uh, should be the same as what's presented in the Bible. Uh, I preached recently uh, uh, and quoted Matthew 6, The Bible says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things uh, shall be added unto you. Uh, and it isn't, it isn't often in the Bible that the Lord um, Jesus told us to seek after something. Uh, we find the Bible saying, seek after wisdom, get understanding, uh, knowledge, etc. Um, God lays out the price of that and why that should be a goal. Uh, but Jesus uh, doesn't say a whole lot about things we should seek. But he says, seek his kingdom, seek his righteousness. And if we do that uh, first, then he assumes the responsibility uh, for the rest of the things that we need in life. That should be our focus, and I've, I've, I've spoke a lot about that recently. Uh, but our vocations must never be... Uh, our life's objectives. Now, I'm blessed to the extent that my vocation uh, in purpose uh, in, as a pastor fit neatly together uh, in a nice package. Uh, so uh, it, you can say, well, it's really easy for you to say, Pastor, uh, because uh, you know uh, how that goes. Um, but um, to be honest, uh, I, if I was whatever, name whatever type of, if I was an electrician, plumber, whatever, uh, I would be just as faithful in church and just as involved in church as I am as a pastor. Uh, because I realize that, uh, that life is more than raiment. 
that, that we are to seek him and him first. Uh, and, and most ministers, um, I think we could probably, uh, where's Brother Waycaster? In here, is he out, the, out there doing security? You know, Brother Waycaster going to the ministry, but he's been a faithful servant of the Lord uh, for all these years. And God finds faithful men and places them into ministry. Uh, so often we find, uh, especially with young people uh, coming out of Bible college or different things, they, just, they want a title. Uh, they want to be the pastor or assistant pastor or whatever. Uh, and I have and many other preachers have encouraged uh, people in churches, do, uh, do what the Lord wants you to do and do it right now without a title, without a paycheck. Uh, and, uh, and you do it. And, and if God wants to place you in the ministry, he will. But you don't place yourself into ministry. God has got to do that. Uh, and so no matter how wonderful uh, and noble uh, our vocations might be, they're still only temporal. So it, it's, it isn't a matter of what we do in life. Uh, it's more important that what we do with our life, uh, that God saved us and set us here uh, to uh, accomplish. A faithful man is a man or woman uh, from this text who has chosen eternal objectives for their life. Heavenly-minded uh, objectives my goals and plans fit into that, uh, and, and everything that we do uh, is run through that filter. Uh, so if we say, if it's not a faith, I mean, the Bible says the just shall live by faith, and we seldom live by faith or do things that take faith or to step out in faith. We've got everything planned out. We know what our day is going to be, what time we get up, what time we go home, what we're having for dinner, or, uh, all of our meals, uh, and on and on and on. We plan, 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 but we leave God out of it. Our objectives in life should not do that. God should be first and foremost. What am I going to do tomorrow that will bring glory to my Savior, the one who saved me, the one who chose me uh, from chapter number two uh, to be a soldier? Uh, a faithful man would do that. Number two, uh, we need to be willing to pay any price, any price uh, to have the will of God fulfilled in our life. Um, having committed ourselves to God's objective, uh, we resist the temptation of the world uh, and we pay whatever price. Uh, in Scripture, many pay the price, martyrs. Uh, we can read about uh, um, not just those in Scripture, but uh, many Christians. And I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, when you look at, uh, like for example, we've been thinking about um, slavery and things like that on our forefront of our minds because of uh, all the stuff in the news. Uh, when you look back at that, as a thing, uh, and all the way, you'll find out that you know most every culture uh, throughout the world at some point has and still does uh, practice slavery, uh, and uh, and then through all of that, you'll read and find overlapping so many things about Christians uh, and uh, and what they suffered and and, and name after name. Uh, I remember back years ago in our church in Wisconsin. Uh, there was a, uh, uh, I think it's, a, it's called This Day in Baptist History. It's like a devotional book. Uh, and, uh, and every Sunday, whatever day corresponded in that 365-day uh, book, uh, then Pastor Wagenschutz read, this is what happened this day in history. And you see that in other capacities. Uh, and, uh, or on the news, you'll say this day and whatever, uh, this thing happened. Uh, but it's Baptist history stuff. And, and we heard every week, um, a story about someone who paid the price uh, 
uh, for the Lord and for the, the local church and uh, for their communities. And uh, it ingrained in our country's history uh, is the history of Baptists and, uh, and uh, or uh, Bible-believing Christians who, uh, by different names, that's, uh, I mean, our heritage is filled with that. The Bible says, in verse 3 and 4 of chapter number 2, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that worth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him uh, to be a soldier. So Paul advises Timothy not to get entangled with all that. They, uh, that entanglement, the world can just choke uh, us if we allow it to. Uh, and, uh, and you've got to be ready um, to go to battle any time. If we think about missions, like today would have been a, a great missions afternoon with Brother Landy here, and so missions is still kind of on my mind uh, with uh, them being next door. But, um, you know, a missionary, when God calls them, they, they sell all their stuff. In fact, I was trying to, Brother Landy wanted to find out, maybe he's even watching right now, uh, but uh, he watched this morning. Uh, he said, do you live stream the services? And, uh, and I said, well, we do. It's on a Facebook page. And, uh, and he, goes, I, he goes, I'm Facebook illiterate. Uh, and, uh, and so I said, I was looking for you on there. I couldn't find you. So he sends me a profile and it's got like no, there's like no picture, no whatever. It's like super, you know, ex, you know, uh, you can't connect it to anybody. Uh, and then, uh, and he says, I, I do, uh, every once in a while put a real picture on there when he said, when I've got to sell something, like if he was going to use the marketplace, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and do that. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, they, he will sell their stuff to, to, you know, get rid of everything so they can go to the mission field. You know, most Christians, like, say, Missions Conference, a lot of, a lot of Christians are concerned. Like, what if, I mean, what if God called you? Um, what if God called you to a mission field? Uh, you know, that would mean, you know, quitting your job, selling your house. Uh, in many of them, a lot of what they had put away as a nest egg uh, for a retirement ends up, being spent on this, that, and the other, and trying to get to the field, or coming off the field, or, 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 or all those, you know, they're going through life in many respects the way that most people do, paying their bills, living their life, loving the Lord. God says, all right, you go, uh, and then they're ready to go. There should be a part in every one of our minds and hearts to be ready to do that. In a, I will liquidate and go to the mission field. Uh, God, if you called me, I will go, and, and, just, and so it should be part, it should be part of the plan. Uh, now, if uh, in the event that, uh, you know, you found out that, you know, you were terminally ill, uh, you'd call the attorney and you'd figure out everything and put this in trust and that in trust or whatever so you can, uh, you know, uh, shield money or hide money or all the things that people would do. Uh, and boy, people got a plan. In the, in the event uh, that I become ill uh, or in the event of my death, uh, you have uh, an envelope, perhaps, or a file on your computer. If I die, press this button, and then that will show you everything that you need to get done. Uh, and uh, and I, need to, I need to do that uh, as well, uh, and, uh, uh, so that uh, if anything ever happens, you know, uh, I pay everything online or whatever. My wife wouldn't even know what bills to pay because uh, they come right in. They don't come in the mail. Uh, so we, we, in the event of a death, this, this, this. But what in the event that God says, go, how would you respond to that? So oh, God will never do that. Well, you know, um, you don't know that. Uh, he just may. Uh, and so, so we've, we've can't, we can't be entangled 
so much in, in, with the roots down uh, here on earth that God, that God can't somehow move us somewhere else. Uh, and that's for every single person, not just missionaries, uh, but for all of us. Uh, in Philippians 3, verse 18 and 19, the Bible says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping. Now listen to what it says, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. That's verse number 18. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. So when we read verse number 19, and I've preached it, uh, and it's, it's really, you know, uh, God is their belly, their, their um, glory is their shame, and they mind earthly things. But in verse number, and we'll say, okay, that's me. Maybe uh, uh, I worship self, or uh, my appetites are my God. And we'll get convicted uh, about minding earthly things when you hear you know, a missions message or a message on finances or different things or on priorities. You say, boy, I don't, I don't, I'm minding earthly things. I'm not minding heavenly things. But you miss what it says in verse 18, that those who mind earthly things are the enemies of the cross. So it's not just saying I got to have the right priorities. I'm, I'm minding temporal earthly things. The Bible says that they who do that are the enemies of the cross. So it's not just getting it straight uh, it's realizing that that type of mentality uh, as a Christian or a non-Christian makes me uh, a, a, the enemy uh, of cross. All that we hold dear in our life, our families, our, our, our health, our jobs, our possessions, all of it must be held with an open hand. So here it is. We know that because the Bible says, you know, we're, hey, father, mother, sister, brother, uh, we're supposed to take up our cross, follow him, uh, and uh, God's going to make us fishers of men. We've got to be ready to go here. My Lord, send me. Everything that we have should be held with an open hand. Uh, and that means if the Lord just says, all right, I want this, I want, it's like, here's, here's what it is. But we're not like that. Uh, and uh, we, you know, we, 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 we this and this, and, and, and we've got a lot of things that we hold dear in our life, everything must belong to Christ. He must be free to do uh, with us and take from us as He pleases. So uh, the Bible uh, teaches that a willing or a, a faithful person is willing to pay the price uh, to have the will of God fulfilled in their life. Number three, uh, we must have a love for the Word of God. A faithful person, uh, one who's going to live for God, please God, one who's being like Timothy, uh, ordained and commissioned and in God through Paul has given him, uh, you know, here's what you do, here's what it should look like, uh, and here's why uh, you've been taught, and I know who taught you, uh, the same that you've been taught, commit to faithful men. Uh, so that's how if we think about the future of the church. These truths, the word of God, need to be committed to faithful men. One of my biggest, if it's a regret, uh, or um, whatever, uh, I don't even know how to explain it, but I've been in ministry for a long time, uh, and, uh, and there's not a whole lot of men who have been sent out um, from my ministry. Uh, and uh, and that's, um, it bothers me. Uh, we're going back in um, September, I think, to Superior for uh, Twin Ports Baptist Church's 50th anniversary services. And they're, 
they're doing all kinds of remodeling and preparing for all of that. And, uh, but, uh, but there's scores of, I mean, I, I don't know how many. There's going to be people there that I don't really know that have been in ministry. We saw some uh, in the one in Arizona not too long ago when we were visiting Bethany uh, that's from that church. He's coming back, and, and, I, and he's serving the Lord, and it just didn't even dominate that he is from that ministry. But uh, we have Brother Brian Johnson uh, and Sam Rogers, missionary to Brazil, and uh, and uh, Mark Prem and, and myself and, and others, there's quite a few uh, that have come out of that church and some uh, of uh, the uh, uh, Jocelyn pastor in, in Colorado and others who are serving in their ministries. Uh, and, uh, and I look at that, I'm so thankful, I'm so blessed uh, to have been involved in a church uh, that has sent so many people out. Uh, and, uh, and as soon as I get done going, huh, I'm like, huh. <laughs> it's kind of like, I kind of wish that was the case for me. Uh, and it's not, a, it's not necessarily a pride thing, but I'm, you know, I'm sure if we dig far enough in there, there's a, a hint of that. Uh, but, uh, but there just should be more, more faithful men uh, that, that leave Berean Baptist Church to serve God in some capacity in 51 years. And so you can go back before me being here and with Brother Jane, and, uh, and, and we know, okay, who's who's went off to Bible college and before that, uh, or with Brother Lowe or uh, then Brother Jane, et cetera, and on and on and on. In 51 years, you got 50 years that, you know, some churches might get, throw out many. Um, but we got 51 years here and we, and we don't have enough. But we serve the same God, same Holy Spirit. Uh, it's the same commission. It's the same formula. Faithful men, you teach them, and they teach others, and that's just how it all works. So we've got to have uh, more of that, I believe, in my life, and I'm convicted uh, about that as a pastor. So uh, we have to uh, pay that price, but we must love the Word of God. Does the Word of God have a rightful place uh, in your life? Uh, it should truly be our daily bread. We should never grow weary of its study. And, and, of course, in First, Second Timothy, if you go even in the Second Timothy, chapter number 3, uh, there's much to be said about the scriptures uh, and uh, that he said to um, Timothy that he could be truly furnished unto all good works through the scriptures and that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. A faithful man loves the Bible. Does the Bible have an active place uh, in your life? Uh, James said in James 1, verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Uh, it's our instruction manual for life. It needs to be studied, meditated, uh, and, uh, and it should be a vital part of our life. Number four, we need to have a heart of a servant. Uh, in Matthew chapter number 20, verses 26 and through 28, you can look that up. Jesus instructing his disciples on the importance of serving other people. Uh, and, uh, and our Lord uh, exemplified the tr that truth in everything that he did. Wash people's feet, serving the miracles and stuff that he did, how he served people. Uh, and uh, he lived and died uh, for others. So a servant realizes the importance of a master. Uh, and uh, in Jesus, of course, he said, without me, you can do nothing. Uh, we can't put any confidence in the flesh. We've got to trust him. That's what a faithful one does. And number five, and lastly, um, in order for us to be the kind of person God wants us to be, to be found faithful, these are the characteristics of a faithful person. A faithful person needs to have a love for people. Herein is love, the Bible says in 1 John 4, 10, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. To be godly uh, means to be godlike. 
Uh, and uh, um, to be godlike is to, is to love people. I remember um, Charlie Brown, remember that? And uh, I probably, you probably can't watch Charlie Brown anymore. Uh, and uh, in today's cancel culture, he's probably one of the next ones to go. Uh, and uh, who knows? But he says this, he says, I love the world. Uh, it's the people I can't stand. Uh, and uh, preachers would say, I love the ministry if it weren't for the people. Um, you know, you think, uh, man, life is, I mean, think about Washington, beautiful state we live in and, and all of this, the blessings of being here. And, uh, and it'd be great if it weren't for the people. Uh, and, uh, and that's pretty much any way you, you know, cut it, uh, you can apply it to, to, most, to most things. Uh, but Jesus came to redeem people. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Uh, and uh, the disciple uh, is uh, one who is involved in the lives of people. Uh, but um, our problem is, uh, that stated in Hebrews 12, we get uh, this root of bitterness uh, that springs up uh, in our life. And, and, uh, uh, and through that, we don't exhibit love to people like we ought to. The Bible says that our love for God is known by our love for the brethren, our love for each other. And, um, and I don't know how many times it's sad, uh, but I mean, I could probably, it's dozens and dozens and dozens of people, Christians in my life, um, who say uh, they love God and can't stand God's people, don't want to be around God's people, they're not in church, uh, church is full of hypocrites, um, they were hurt in some way or the other. And, uh, in, 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 you know, in a vast majority of those instances, it wasn't the church that hurt them, it was an individual. Uh, within that church, uh, and they've just gone off, uh, you know, to a place of no return in their Christian life and dug themselves into some hole that they feel like they can't get out of, all because of bitterness, uh, and that, or, or even that root of bitterness. That's that little inkling, like you're just hurt and you're mad at somebody and you just can't get beyond it. Uh, you best get beyond it as quick as you can, uh, and uh, uh, because that type of bitterness uh, will will hinder you uh, from a life of faithfulness uh, uh, for the Lord. So are we the kind of person that God wants us to be? Um, there shouldn't be any excuses, and we all know, and I'm preaching to you, it's Sunday afternoon, you're quiet, uh, you're taking it in, uh, and, uh, but you are uh, faithful people, you stayed for church, uh, and you're in church during the coronavirus, uh, and uh, people say, wait, hey, uh, you know, uh, ten, 10 years, 20 years from now, hey, what were you doing uh, in, during the coronavirus? Same thing I did before it. Uh, and uh, you might be able to, in one way, say that uh, 10, 20 years from now. Uh, but, um, but 10 or 20 years from now, are you going to be closer to God than you are today? Are you closer to God today than you were 10 years before this? We look and we say, okay, we know. I'm not saying anything today uh, that, uh, that you don't already understand and know. But you could just not do it again today and just not do it again next week. Uh, and, uh, and then just, just focus on vocation, focus on, uh, on life and, uh, and, uh, and not you know, the purpose but the problems uh, and do that. Have we made our, life, our lives uh, you know, objectives those that are represented in Scripture? Are we willing to pay the price to fulfill the will of God? Do we genuinely love the Word of God? Do we have a servant's heart? And do we really have a love for people? Those are five uh, questions, or four questions, uh, five questions, uh, that, uh, that we need to ask ourselves. Uh, and if any one of them 
you can't answer uh, yes to, uh, then that's a, um, a reason for you to spend some time in prayer uh, during the invitation. If we are the kind of people that God wants us to be, uh, then we can be used of God. And so let's determine that today. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And those are the questions. Have we made our life's objectives, those that are represented in the Scriptures? Are we willing to pay the price to fulfill the will of God for our lives? Do we genuinely love the Word of God? Do I have a servant's heart? And do we really have a love for people? If you can.